Hello, and welcome to Form and Function, a podcast exploring enthusiasm for everyday gear, from watches to EDC tech and lifestyle products. Join us as we chat, interview, and discuss topical subjects about subcultures we all know and love. Hello, good morning, and welcome to episode two of the Form and Function podcast. Let's do a quick wrist check. Philip, what are you wearing? So I am wearing uh, my Soata 5303 with the kind of the blue ceramic dial on a, on an Erica's strap. Basically, if I'm on holiday, this is, uh, and I'm on a beach, this is tends to be the watch that I come, comes with me because it's, it looks good in the ocean. I saw that picture on, on Instagram. You know, that was the Instagram picture. The reality was the watch went flying. It's it's a watch, I think, I think you always do take on holiday, and it's a watch that I think I now kind of associate with beaches, partly the colorway, I guess, but the, the in general, just I think from seeing your pictures on beaches, it's kind of the watch I associate with, with being hot. And not that I've been on a hot holiday for a long time or a beach holiday to, yeah. to you know, play my violins and all that. But. It's really good for that. And it's also cool because the bezel is a dual track bezel, so you can... You can do uh, a different time zone. Not that you need it when you're only one hour ahead from where the hits. It's fun anyway. Talking of only one hour ahead, Philip is actually one hour ahead of us. In the field. In the field. <laughs> so if my audio is not as crisp as the other two's, it's because I'm uh, I'm on the Adriatic coast, uh, just under an hour north of Venice, enjoying some sand and some sea. Either that or I'm deliberately sabotaging his audio to make him sound worse than us. That might be part of it too. I'm wearing, uh, you, you guys can probably guess, I'm wearing uh, the Arkan Instrumentum. It's going to get really boring really quickly. But it's, yeah, like I said, it's it's the one that I always grab and, and you know, um, it's quite convenient to the, the things that I do, um, whether that's just kind of getting stuck in with work or going out and about or to the gym and that sort of thing. I can just kind of throw it on and not really have to worry about it. Um, so, yeah. I think if you didn't wear your own watch, There'd be something slightly suspicious. See, that's that's the thing, you know. Because so having my having my own watch, I, there are other watches that I want to wear. Do you know what I mean? Um, just as an enthusiast, it's 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 what I want to do. But you can't help but not wear your own. And another thing, it's like other people expect you to. So you know, it comes with its its own thing. Um, but I'm sure we can uh, unpack that in a later episode. <laughs> What have you got? Um, I, and I'm wearing a, um, I'm holding it up for the camera, but I'm wearing my, um, I guess it's, it's about 13 years old to me, but I guess it's about 80 odd years old, probably. Um, Omega. Okay. And, and I haven't seen that one on person. I don't think I actually brought it to the last Red Bar. Um, oh, that's really nice, man. It's, uh, um, it's kind of cool. So I bought it in, bought it in Porto, Portobello Market about maybe 13, 14 years ago. I kind of lose track of time, but that's um, with a watch, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a cool watch. I'm fun off, and I bought it because my my family, as in like my father's not a watch person. He's not into watches. I didn't kind of grow up around watches, other than he has a gold. I'm guessing it's gold plated version of this, which he was given when he was, I think, quite young. So probably actually in the 60s, he was given as a present by his grandmother. And fun enough, when I when I turned 17, my first Omega, so a modern or sort of a now, I guess, near vintage, but 
and then my other Omega Seamaster, I was given that by my grandmother. And I, I loved my father's. So when I saw this one, um, I wasn't into gold. I'm still not into gold. But when I saw this one in, in Portobello Market, I think they were selling it for like 250 quid or something. I, this was a while ago, but I, I, and I thought, you know what? Is it sad to mimic your father? But I was like, I don't care. It's a stainless steel, kind of slightly modern, from my point of view, modern version of his watch. So I was like, I'm going to have it. And you know what? It still keeps. I did a, I wore it yesterday as well. And I did, I did, I thought, you know, is it, is it still keeping time? It's never been serviced other than, you know, the, the person I bought it from apparently. So well, that's another 13 years of no service. And I think it lost about 14 seconds yesterday. Um, that's not that bad. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of impressed by that. It's a, it's a watch I don't, yeah, I don't wear enough. Um, and it's on a, on another, another thing that I love actually, the, the Delugs, you know, the, the, I think, Singapore, yeah, Singapore draft makers. Who I'm a big fan of anyway, but they make the kind of, they call it crazy horse. Um, I'm not sure what the actual, le- I think maybe that is the type of leather, but um, they age really nicely, but not in a sort of like sort of vintagey way. They just kind of age subtly um, and get, they're already soft, but they get softer and softer and it just works really well on this watch with a slight sort of modern tint. But, it's, yeah. an, it's manual wind. It is manual wind. Yeah. Again, that was another thing I wanted to mimic. My father's was manual wind, and I kind of remember the the sound of him you know, winding it, and or rather, I remember winding it myself, winding his watch. So I think having that was was yeah, having the manual wind. The one I'd been given was you know it was the it was the I guess the was it gold I know it was the second one. Tomorrow never dies, possibly. You know, it's a little thirty six mil kind of blue. Um, I'm sure I'll wear it on this at some point and stick it in the show notes. But yeah, I wanted to a nod to my father, so that's uh, that's cool. But right, so. Shall we move on to general news? What what cool stuff have you seen in in the world of gear, watches, apparel, stuff, things, thingies? Ken, um, I mean for for general news, I haven't I haven't really picked up much uh, kind of general topics uh, since last week, but kind of it has been a quiet week, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a quiet week in in the watch gear, apart from the um, another another blank pan. Um, which you know is a little bit, a little bit underwhelming, I think. But I mean, here I've been kind of like on my own little home project, um, which is kind of in topic with the upgrade theme, uh, which we'll get into later today. Um, so I bought a like a long time ago. I bought an RAF jumpsuit, like an RAF fi- uh, pilot suit, and it only cost me like five pound. It was really really cheap, um, and I like throwing it on sometimes just because like. Um, it's really, really convenient um, if I don't want to be sitting around in my pajamas all day or, um, you know, I don't want to put on like fresh clothes to to do nothing. Um, so I'll throw on the, the jumpsuit, but it's too military. So I can't walk out of the house or go to the supermarket because it's like, it looks like I've just climbed out of a cockpit. Um, so I was kind of like, I'm going to uh, kind of edit this jumpsuit to make it more uh civilian let's say right so over the last like week or so i've like took off the shoulder patch the 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 shoulder kind of velcro thing stitched it back up uh took the velcro off the center had a had a zip put on um kind of like there's a two holes on the side because you know normally you'd wear trousers underneath so you can slip your hands in and get to those pockets right you know, it's a jumpsuit. I kind of just want to throw it on. So I, I took, uh, I, I attached new uh, pockets to it. 
so I made some pockets, you know, got got the sewing skills out, attached and made some new pockets. So that's kind of what I've been doing over the last like week or so, just because I don't know, I like I like making stuff. I like having like a weird uh, modding or craft project thing, and and uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to. What about you guys? The real reason you sh- shut those pockets is because you want to go commando and yeah. in a jumpsuit, isn't it? <laughs> well, I do. I don't want to. I didn't want to say it out loud, but. But yeah, the option is nice. Okay, here's a here's a weird one. Would you would you put patches and stuff on it? Um, um well, I feel like kinda, that probably makes it more because of militaristic, yeah. I guess. But like, I I like the idea of patches. I mean, you could have like you could attach like a little bit of the Velcro just so you can like stick it on whenever you want. Um, but yeah, the goal was to to make it less military. Like it was a very it was a very like green army color um and then i threw i threw it in the you know the washing machine with one of these um dylon cotton dye uh, pods which worked really really well and i threw it in with a, just a black pod and it made it a very dark olive so now it's like you know i could throw it on with a pair of trainers and it and, and it works um still looks a little bit like you know like i might be a mechanic or something like that but it's less it's less on duty looking which is kind of like, you know, it turns some heads and, and you know, I'm not pretending to be a military guy, so it, it didn't really make sense, but I like the way that it fit and I like the the way that, um you know, it was a fiver. Like, you, you know, it's one of them purchases. Once it gets so low, you don't really think about it. You're just like, yeah, I'm just going to get that, so. I mean, worst case, you can cut it up and use it as a rag, I guess, for cleaning stuff. Yeah, or use it to, like, my... I think my, my mom would always used to buy these types of jumpsuits to, like, paint the house when we were younger and stuff. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of a convenient thing to have if you're doing any kind of renovation stuff. Um, and over for me, it's yeah. For me, it's just like a lounge, like a house lounge thing. So I think I'm going to buy one to work on the motorbike. Yeah, I'll say I'll show I'll show you. There's there's like um there's an army surplus store near where my you know where my family live uh, in the Midlands. Um, and they 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 have loads of stuff. They have loads of like jumpsuits. They have like t-shirts and and uh sweaters and stuff that are all kind of former army supply or military supply and and the prices are always really really good because you know they're produced in huge batches um you know there's no labels most of them are what size and um yeah it's just you know it's one of them cool um philip yeah i've spotted um a really cool jacket by a company who uh, they're up in Birmingham. Um, and they're called Pienko. They're, they're really cool. Yeah, shout, shout out to Birmingham. Yeah. So there's um, there's a couple of uh, guys who started a company called Pienko probably about ten or so years ago, and they they're known for their t-shirts and uh, like printed t-shirts and things. But occasionally they do these limited run things like jackets, outerwear, and I've got a load of them that they've done over the years, and they're just so robust, so well made. Most of them are made in England um, when they do these limited runs. And they've just done this jacket, which is uh, in collaboration with kind of a, a Land Rover enthusiast club called uh, Instrument Overland. And they've done this driver's jacket, and it, it looks so cool. Uh, it looks the sort of jacket that a tank driver might have worn in that film Fury, you know, the one with, uh, <laughs> the, the one with Brad Pitt. So I, I just think it's really well put together. Um, and so I'm really, really, really tempted, but I want to. I'm trying to work out whether it's going to, too close to my bell staff jacket which it might be but i'm gonna just get it try it out and then and then probably end up keeping it 
but I'm on a bit of a Land Rover rabbit hole at the moment, which we'll maybe get into. But that's a really nice jacket, man. Um, there's a there's another jacket from theirs which I was like, I'm half tempted to pull the trigger on. It's their like black mechanic jacket, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, but their stuff just looks so well made and it's so thick. Like the materials they use are proper heavy duty and. Yeah, I've got a couple of their jackets. They're really good. I've got the waxed wayfair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. By the way, um, we will be putting everything, everything we mention, um, well, most of the things we mentioned, we will be putting in show notes. I think we didn't necessarily mention that in the last episode, but we will, and the show notes will be available. Um, the format they come through will vary a little bit depending on where you listen to your podcasts. But on on Spotify, it'll be just effectively within the description. If you go down, you'll find. We'll be able to click on links to the stuff we talk about, be it be it watches or, or gear or any of the stuff, clothing. Um, and eventually the plan would be to have a, a kind of landing page, have a website that has uh, a sort of maybe a, a similar thing, but in a format that we can control a bit better. It does, having looked at, for example, the Google podcast, the way they set it out is they just dump all of the stuff into sort of one big max, which doesn't necessarily, it's not the easiest to dig out and click. And I think we'd like to probably be able to put the, the mentions and have them with a sort of timestamp as well at some point. But just the, the technical support, um, the, the terrible technical support that we have, which may well be me, um, is, is, is struggling to, to catch up with some of the stuff and learning as I go. But, um, but yes, there will be everything in the show notes um, that we mentioned. Um, and so you're yeah. right this week, James? Um, has, yeah. I mean, I'd, okay, so first of all, I'll, I'll get it out of the way. I'm, I'm, I'm biased to the company and on a number of levels. The, the fairer chrono contemporary Po Contempo. I may have well, the two new chronographs. Is that is that what it's, it is a chrono contempo, isn't it? I mean, I was, it sounds wrong when I say it, but it's a yeah. In the I, I'll be honest, the colours. I'm I I think they're really cool. I, I don't like neither of them. There's like oh, that's definitely the one for me. But I know that if they've done some, they'll probably do more. Um, and there's a good chance to. But the actual watch itself specs uh, and and the price. Uh, they they've killed it on this one. That is just really nice. Sort of the cross between the big eye and the kind of it just it's a really really cool bit of kit. And the 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 reason I mentioned about being biased, we I think we have a, a um a kind of collective friend, James, who works for Thera. Yeah, shout out to James. He let me he let me carpool with him to to Brighton. So big big shout out to James. <laughs> um, and he also let me see these watches as well. They're 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 so nice in person. Like they fit wicked. Is this one a manual, or is it the um, I don't think it. No, I think it's an automatic. It's it's yeah. I might dig it up if you've got a screen in front of you. But it's a, it is yeah. It is an automatic. Um, I can't remember what the movement is, but it's a. But if it's with Ferrer, it, we've got to the point. I think with Ferrer now, where you can almost guarantee that the movements are good. Kind of the fit and finish will be good. That's the kind of given. It's more a case of like the aesthetics and you know kind of which sector of of the sort of watch world is it fitting into. And if that appeals to you. You can pretty much guarantee the rest will all be good, uh, and uh, and most importantly, competitive. It's uh, genuinely like the stuff they're doing is, you know, it's 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 cool and keeps up. You know, sometimes you get stuff that like it looks amazing. I'm kind of this this leads a little bit to to the form and function bit, but it looks amazing, but isn't necessarily up to snaffle. They've let something drop to get the price down or that sort of stuff. This is unapolog- unapologetically in the kind of I think this one's a bit more expensive, maybe like. $1,800, so what, maybe like 1200 1300 pounds, that kind of thing. So it's a bit on the higher part of some of the watches, but nonetheless, a ton of watch um, and just super cool. And the size, 38.5 mil, with I think about 13-something thick, um, but but with a, you know, with a box, I think it's a box sapphire crystal, and therefore, you know, a couple of mil on that. So it's probably only 11-odd 
thick, so very wearable. And with a really, really bit I love about the Ferro stuff, the lug to lug is always really good. It's proper Seiko type yeah. proportions. Um, Ferro is one of those brands that just kind of surprises you. Like, um, like color watches aren't really my thing, but every now and then, Ferro will surprise me with a color that I was not expecting to like, and then I see it, and it's just yeah, it's amazing. Um, I've 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 gone on about it loads of times to James, which he's probably sick of hearing now. But um, there's a mint green cushion case with the small seconds, and I saw a picture of it in uh, the watch annual with the Milanese bracelet, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. And it's not a color that I would ever you know initially go to or think that's what I want, but when I saw it, it is it is so good. It is, and trying it on as well is just. It's a different. It's a different experience. It's a huge sidestep from the things that I would usually buy, which is just, you know, a black black dial diaper or something along those lines. Yeah, that case is really nice. I've, I've, James, let me have a go on one of those as well. It's really good. The the, the movement in that um, in that chrono is a, a hand wound solita with oh, um, with with sixty three hours of power reserve, which is what you want in a in a manual wind. Sixty three. Oh, it's manual yeah. wind. Okay. Well, that probably accounts for the for the size, I guess. Um, as in the thinness, that's really cool. And that's to me, that's actually a, a bigger reason to like it. Um, I'm a big fan of manual wind. I mean, I like the that the chrono that they released. I want to say maybe a couple months back now, but it's the one with the the kind of the chocolate and the baby blue. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That that one uh, I tried on at um, Red Bar Oxford, and it was yeah, that fits really really well. Um, I'm not sure what movement's in that one, but that, yeah. That one's titanium. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The titanium case really got me. I, yeah. Ooh, if they could, this one in titanium, um, <laughs> with a black dial and some red writing. Um, <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the age old thing. Yeah, just give me it, but give me it in titanium. Yeah. Um, that would be cool. But it's, uh, um, and they do, and fun enough, I've had my, I've, I've almost pulled the trigger on so many of their watches. Um, and I just one of these days the what you know there will be one. I, I'm I think I know which one, but it's a which case rather. I think the 36 mil case. Um, probably not to everyone's taste, but but it's just really good. And with a, uh, I want is it are they so prop movements in those little ones? I'm on. no, there's Jupere maybe. Oh, Jupiter. I can't remember. Either way, there was that. They were it was it was at the when it first came out. I think it was a slightly kind of kooky. You didn't see that many of them. There's far more of them now, I think, of either of those movements. But it was certainly, yeah, that certainly caught my eye. Um, and one day, one of them will be mine, um, probably. <laughs> the one other thing, and to come not away from watches, one other thing that caught my eye this week, it's not really new, but I think it was a Kickstarter from maybe like four or five months ago. But it's new to catch my eye. Um, and it's a, it's a torch. It's, it's called, it's a wonderfully named, or the brand's called Wuben. So W-U-B-E-N. It's Wuben X3, and it's a kooky, weird little thing that has, I think, it's not a set, not that powerful. I think it max about 700 lumens. So frankly, more than you probably really ever need. But but compared to the you know the sort of number crunches that are out there now, but it has it has dual LEDs, and one of them can be red, um, which I love. I think red as a as a usable light has, and most importantly, it has a one lumen red and an 80 lumen red. So a, a usable red outside, which is where when you get red lamps or red LEDs on torches or flashlights, you tend to get a much brighter red. But actually using them at home, 
being able to go around, not losing any vision, having a, a, a low mode, you know, maybe five lumens or lower. This one has a, a moonlight red one lumen, which is just epic. And from the point of view of just like the perfect light, just give you light to be able to move about at home, you know, have it on your, have it on next to your bed, that sort of thing. Just brilliant. And the other thing I love that this has, that is something that I think Nightcore, um, another another flashlight brand who may actually even be owned by the same people, I'm not sure, but have it has a little LED on it. And that LED says how much battery's left. It tells you what mode you're in, all that kind of stuff. It sounds simple and it sounds like something's very normal for us sort of iPhone you know, sort of modern phone users and that sort of thing. But actually, the number of lights that don't do it and the number of lights that have complex um, interfaces that do, you know, they have 10 different modes and all these sort of things. Remembering which one you're in, you know, how many times have I pressed it this time, all that sort of stuff can be a faff. So having a little LED that tells you what you're in is really, really good. And my one of my other favorite little lights made by Nightcore is, I think it's called the Tinny or Tiny, T-I-N-I 2, um, and they do a little titanium one. And it's maybe like 30, 40 pounds. So it's not that expensive. Just that too. That has an LED on the side. It tells you exactly what mode it's in, you know, how long, how much runtime it's got left for that mode. All that sort of stuff, which just from the point of view of a, a light you want to have just in case that's, you know, it's, it's with you all the time. It's just such a good thing. Good, 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 but not that common thing. So this Wuben, um, I'm, I, I will get one. Maybe I can, I can hit them up and see if they'll send me one, but it's a, but nonetheless, it, it just looks really cool. Um, and I think probably price-wise around the maybe £50 mark. It's quite new. Um, I think on Kickstarter it was less. It also comes with a uh, like a, a sort of a box charger. So you slip the whole torch into this little box. And that box plugs into USB-C. Like an AirPod. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of like an AirPod. I think size-wise it's probably similar the actual light is probably pretty similar, I think, to just like an AirPod case. Um, not not same exact same proportions, but sort of general mass kind of thing. Um, yeah, as so far as form goes, it, it kind of looks like Wally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I think they even nickname it the Owl. Oh, so okay. It had so it has a. Oh, you can turn the top. Turn the top. Yeah. So it either points forward, like you'd imagine, a sort of traditional light, or it has a you know complete sort of turns a complete one eighty. And can point out so you can like light, light round corners. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I like the look of this as well. This would also be good for working on the bike. I often need something really small so I can get into like small corners. Does it have a magnetic base? Oh, I was just going to ask. Um, yeah, so that's a yeah, that's a big thing. It's, I mean, it's some, that's some flashlight nerd thing. Does it have a magnetic <laughs> base? It's got a. Or, fun off, it's, I was, I've always wondered about this. A lot of my lights have have that, and there's always that thought of like if I put it. Is, it, is the magnet going to be powerful enough to annoy my watches? This comes really to my ignorance about, and by my watches, I mean, you know, anything, frankly, of the last 10 years, probably not. But but anything older, I mean, for example, the watch I'm wearing now, this has as much magnetic shielding as, I don't know, I mean, like a, as, a, as a bit of lettuce. Um, so I kind of, it's 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 not going to do anything. And I, so I just wondered, does that, you know, it's probably not going to stop it but it, or anything damage it, but it's just, you know, will it, will it, skip it 10 seconds or you know sew it down or affect its accuracy or something not that i really care about that particularly but it's a it's always been in the back of my mind is that a thing so when they chuck really quite powerful magnets in some of these bigger lights when you've got a let's say a 250 gram you know light that's you know, that's not a not a light bit of kit the magnets you need in that to make sure that it's rock solid you know that's they probably they tend to sort of like you know they'll, they'll sort of pile up maybe three or four magnets in the base to get enough strength 
And that's, I've always wondered, does that do anything? The answer is, I'm looking, you both are looking at me completely blankly. So the answer is probably no. And I'm imagining this is a problem, but yeah, but maybe it's a, I don't know. I just want to see you demagnetizing your letters. <laughs> How many times are we, going to, are we going to use that for something else? Magnetizing my letters. Yeah. Oh, magnetizing. Demagnetizing. Yeah. It. A, oh yeah, yeah. James yeah. is just busy demagnetizing <laughs> his letters. I do have one of those little like Passover demagnetizers. Oh, do you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, you know, all of like 11 pounds off eBay, you know, sort of like five years ago or something, but it's a... Uh, um, here's some. Here's something else I've, I've, I've wondered as well, is that as, you know, just not to, to be even more biased on titanium than we already are, um, I think titanium cased watches have more magnetic resistance by default. Yeah, not, not like... Um, you know, your watch is still, if, if your watch is susceptible to magnetization, it's still going to happen. But I mean, in terms of its conductivity in comparison to other alloys that may contain iron in them, um, like some steel alloys. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's more resistant. Okay. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I mean, think, I think we need more. I, 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 I do not know this for fact and I'm, I'm not, um, qualified, um, to give a hundred percent. Uh, foolproof advice on this but yeah i think that uh there is some there is something to it because from my like the watches that i've owned that are titanium i've never had a magnetic issue with them and you know maybe i'm not uh exposed to the same kind of environments but it's something that i kind of noticed i mean to be honest i've only ever had a magnetic issue on one watch my blue you know little omega seamaster that it was there was a point when it was genuinely losing a chunk of time and there was no way that was within any kind of you know normal spectrum, so it was clearly there was something up. You know, it was it had been and it just had been magnetized in some shape or form. I don't know how. I think the the yeah, I'm sure we like everything in the watch world. We overthink it, um, oh, yeah. as as a thing. But but it, there's clearly something there. But it's a, so yeah. This I don't know. Like the base of this made me wonder. I think the base of this is designed not only is it magnetic, it's conductive too, because the in the little charging case, and you slot it in, and it kind of you know it sort of the two prongs, the two magnetic prongs rest into the little, I don't know what you call them, um, I guess contacts, but, uh, and that does the charging. I think they've, I believe since the Kickstarter, they've changed a few bits and pieces and that may be one of the things they've changed. And things like the the kind of charging case thing, you don't have to buy the charging case. I think that adds, it adds a good 20, 30 quid to the price, I think. Um, you can buy it with just a little USB-C kind of little cradle for charging. Oh. It is also Qi chargeable. So you just put it down on a Qi charger. The, the the light itself. You don't need to have any. On a what? Qi charger. On a, on a Qi charger. Yeah, on a Qi charger. Oh, like it's... A little wireless charger. Yeah. Oh, oh. Sorry. Qi oh, right. okay. is one of the main protocols. That might be the wrong word. Um, oh. Kind of. It's... I've never gotten into the wireless charging thing. You, I, you know what? I, I, I have a few wireless chargers and they're all rubbish. By rubbish, I know. That's why I mean hot. They make everything hot. It takes about three times as long to charge the thing. Just plug it into the wall and charge it in 20 minutes and walk away. You see them on all these, like, you know, these EDC layout tables and they look cool. And, you know, it's one of them things you have on your desk. Um, but yeah, I just can't, I can't get down with it. I'm, I'm, I don't have issues with cables. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they have got better. And weirdly, I was watching, this is Hassadam. Yesterday, I was watching a, a video. I'm, I'm kind of down the rabbit hole of BMWs at the moment. And I was watching a video about the new or the, the kind of latest version of the X3. And that has, I think it's the X3, it might be X1, one of the two. 
the little sort of like NAF SUV thing, but it has a, you know, a, a kind of a charging pad, but it has, it has a cooling system for it so that your phone and the pad don't get hot. It's where you've got space and, and, you know, power like these do kind of not having that would have been crazy. For example, my, my car, my, my, um, my Skoda Enyaq has that too, has a, you know, a pad you put it on. But, but it makes the phone so hot, I never use it. I just use the cables, you know, I have a couple, it's got a couple of USB-C slots, and I just chuck the cables in those and use that instead. But Phones charge so quickly nowadays. Like, we they only bought one power um, converter. So my wife and I have been, between the, the baby monitor and our two phones, we've been, to, had been taking turns. And her her phone charges in about 20 minutes. It's a pixel. Uh, okay. My, my iPhone charges pretty quickly as well. So The Android stuff is quite a bit ahead really i mean i know iphone's catching up but it's quite a bit ahead talking of iphones actually that's the the new thing to me i did pick up the iphone 15 pro in cool like you did of course i did it's on, on the day of release did. obviously because i'm that sad because it's um, it was actually sad enough i was in london so i made sure it was uh, as in i i did the pre-order to a london store so that i could pick it up while i was there Very um nice. but it's that uh, well organized one word for it um idiotic is the other but it's a uh, because then transferring from one phone to the other, I obviously couldn't wait to get home to transfer it. So I did it on, tried to do it, first of all, on the Wi-Fi in the Apple Store, which with, you know, with hundreds, if not thousands of people there, was not doing anything. Um, they even advised me not to do it. <laughs> and I, but I was like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then I went out and started doing it on 5G, and that had all sorts of issues of, of like them talking to each other. And it, it was kind of working for the downloads, but not for the some of the... You know, when they do the sort of security stuff between them and that sort of thing. Um, it didn't like it there. So eventually I then I then tried a tried a cafe, which my I, I Googled it and, and thought, well, you know, which cafes are really good for kind of which quiet cafes near Regent Street are gonna be it's good. It's really like you really um, needed to get in that box. Well it's just I had Jones, I had a little bit of time to kill. Um I had a couple of hours to kill and I was like, Well, this I'm gonna do the transfer. I'm gonna pick up my phone and do the transfer in those couple of hours. It's yeah, and I kind of I I, I got it done in the end. But it took a couple of goes. And the cafe I went to, which on the internet says it was a really good internet cafe, they've got rid of that. They don't offer Wi-Fi to customers, all that sort of stuff. I'd already ordered my coffee by that point. So I sat there drinking coffee, feeling sorry for myself, or feeling like a pillock. Um, you should have recorded the world's longest unboxing video. I would have wanted because <laughs> this is entertaining. It's just like every time he goes to, to download, like every time he logs onto a new Wi-Fi, it doesn't work, and he has to keep moving and moving. <laughs> Yeah, I'm one of those people where like I have to like maybe it's ceremonial, but like I would have took that box, I would have brought it home, I would have like cleared the table, I would have laid down the mat, I would have you know took my time in that moment and just savored the whole thing. Um, yeah, instead of just being like, "Where's the nearest Wi-Fi?" But yeah, um, <laughs> and I think that that leads us nicely, I think, onto our main topic for today, which is to do with upgrades and. I guess the the kind of you know to upgrade or not to upgrade that great example of that is the reverence that you show to your new bit of kit versus the me ripping it off and, and desperate to get into it like that you definitely of, upgrade way more than i do um yeah I, mean, I think i probably upgrade to be fair i don't normally upgrade every iphone i do every other so this is this is an anomaly but so main main topic i think uh, one the iPhone's one thing to talk about on on upgrading, and I think everyone we talked a bit about that last time, and I kind of I won't go back to that again. But basically, it's a cool bit of kit. Um, you know, it's it's a silly upgrade to some, and 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 a great upgrade to others, and all that sort of stuff. But 
moving on to other stuff about upgrades i'm gonna i'm gonna go completely other kind of other end of the gear spectrum and talk about bags a recent experience um of mine i had a, a bag by a company called able carry really good company by the way another one possibly based in in the far east i'm gonna say singapore but i might actually be wrong about that so this is hong kong um uh, as in they you know it's a, another one of the places where a ton of cool bags come from well priced well made brilliant bits of kit and places where they as part of their normal process they iterate so you know there will be another version of the bag you've bought down the line so when you buy it you know there will be a replacement and it's these guys are particularly good in my opinion of yes it's iterative change but it's always really well thought out it's always a case of you can't make a product perfect for everybody first time but it just seems that this one so it's called the daybreaker so i had I had the first version for maybe um getting on for two years it was brilliant did everything i wanted it was the exact bag i wanted but there were a few little niggles things that weirdos like me or us notice you know probably fairly quickly and they kind of they, they build up in your mind and then they released a second one and i was like oh, for, you know for god's sake it's kind of like another version how annoying is that i don't want to upgrade you know this bag it's a bag it does the job of the bag it carries my stuff it keeps it dry keeps it you know kind of safe job done however the date the changes they made were changes basically ticked off all the boxes of the things that had annoyed me about the previous version those little things that i would have changed and that meant i've been i pushed the button and and bought it um and and it's arrived and it's it's just brilliant as in it is the perfect bag for what i want so it kind of you know the the my my i think like most people my my kind of like disgust at the idea of replacing something that you already have one that works but i think this this sort of weird mindset that us either watch weirdos or, or you know gear geeks or you know kind of the, the the rabbit holes we go down finding a product that 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 like, like completes that rabbit hole it closes that rabbit hole i don't need another bag for that task because this one completes it whereas the previous version didn't it had things that annoyed me what, what were the what were the changes out of curiosity um, small stuff things i mean a couple of things like better zips or rather different zips so the original one had a Essentially, sort of clam, had an opening from the top, and I mean, this is all pretty small stuff. That is, that is, that is nuanced. That is, my my zip, my zip just ain't zipping anymore. So I, I need a new zip. To be fair, though, once you go down the bag route, yeah, I, get, I bet there's like the velvety ones. I've got bags that just have insanely good zip, like big, chunky, smooth, flowing. This is this is sounding super sad, hasn't it? <laughs> this, uh, um, this is an MNS advert for zippers. Yeah. <laughs> is it AMSR? Yeah, um, but it's it's yeah they're kind of the, it, they've done a really good job of just changing. And so the zip used to just open at the top, so you could open this sort of flap off the top and get stuff into a top loader effectively. And and what they've done is down one side, the zip now continues down all the way down one side. See, I don't like those. I don't like clamshell bags open all the way. Um, I do want to keep some structure to the to the lid because you know it's usually I'm on the move if I'm opening it. So this one having it that opens that sort of at an angle almost, you can still open it like the old one, so which is useful for a lot of the time. But you can also open it sort of three quarters, let's say, to to get more access to what's at the bottom. More, it's a twenty six liter, twenty five liter bag, so you can carry a ton of stuff in there. And I yeah, it looks pretty big. It is. I mean, one of the things, one of the real USPs of the original was the weight. 
a lot of a lot of these high quality bags, all of these really considered bags are heavy. You know, an empty bag at sort of somewhere like one point two to one point five kilograms. You know, like a sort of like the go rucks of the world. Yeah, they are unbelievably beautiful bits of kit, and they are amazingly well made, and they will you know they'll outlast us. But but they're they're heavy. I'm you know, and I'm not a big guy. You know, for for me, genuinely cutting. So this bag I think is about six hundred grams empty. Really, and that's that was the selling point. That's quite light. But it's also tough. It's also burly. It's also mostly waterproof. From the point of view of, I'm not going to be out for more than you know, half an hour in the rain. I use it for going to and from work. So it's, you know, it does maybe two and a half miles a day. And so it needs to be relatively comfortable. Just as a reference point, I think 600 grams is kind of like roughly the weight of a pair of jeans. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good. Um, you know, a good so point. taking that whole thing off is yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It's. I, I've been through a lot of bags over the years. And, and, you know, kind of, yeah, realizing the things, a bit like watches, realizing the things that, that matter to you does drive, you know, once you've established those, you are willing to make, frankly, otherwise silly upgrades. You know, that on paper, it's just like, why are you upgrading something that works? And I guess that leads a, a chat we, uh, we had earlier, Ken, about your view on upgrades. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think bags, bags kind of fall into the, the middle between what I would consider, say, apparel and then gear. So things with like apparel is like, you know, for me especially, um, if I find something I like or find something that that works for me, I'll just replicate it. So I'll buy the same T-shirt year in, year out once it's busted or, you know, say uh, I've got a pair of Converse, I'll always replace them. I've got a pair of Docs, I'll always replace them. There's there's these things that are just, they, they suit my lifestyle and the way I like to dress and, and these sorts of things. So they they almost never get upgraded. But then on the gear end, it's like I tend to not really upgrade, but I'll sidestep depending on my needs. So I'll either have different gear for different things, or if my needs change, then the gear changes. So, you know, touching on the same thing with the bags, I have never really got fallen deep down the bag rabbit hole, so to, so to speak. Um, There's time yet. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> give, give it a few episodes and that will probably change. Um, your drug dealer, your back drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, this is the, this is the gateway to to the daybreaker, I think. Um, but yeah, so I I um, a long time ago when I was you know traveling a lot more than I am now, um, I bought uh, a base camp duffel from North Face um, because I just needed something that I could throw into uh, whether that's carry on or check in luggage and just throw it and not really have to worry about it. And I've had it for at least 10 years now and it's 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 still fine like it's still going to do the job it's it's not damaged in any way and i've, I've literally threw that everywhere um, they are bomb proof as in they, yeah. they are the original hauler yeah so i mean like that that suited the needs at that time and i've never really upgraded it since and and then because i've traveled less my needs have almost gotten less so i think if i'd have continued down that path I probably would have sidestepped it to having a bag with more kind of internal compartmentalization um, because obviously the base camp duffel is just, you know, a throw-in sort of thing. Um, but yeah, my my again, my knees changed, so I'd never actually upgraded it. I just kind of kept it as it is. And and in, in most cases now where I don't really travel with a laptop um, unless I'm going somewhere where I need to work, I bought the smaller base camp duffel, which is actually like an amenity kit bag. It's only it's 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 really really small, um, and, and again, 
back to kind of modifying it, I attached a um, like a crossbody strap to the amenity kit to make it like a mini base camp duffel. Okay. So it's like you can fit a camera, you can fit fit a camera and a lens in it, basically, um, and 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 other bits and bits and bobs. You could probably fit a notebook and you know your ba- your power bank and and cables and that sort of thing. Um, but it kind of fit the same need as the big one did at that time. Um, so I just carry less now as opposed to more variety of things. Um, so yeah, and then kind of back to the only thing that I think. I consciously upgrade on a on kind of a not a regular basis, but I think about is is probably tech. You know, like mm-hmm. with 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 iPhones, it's um it's probably not once every two years. It's it's usually when my my you know the iPhone conspiracists and that the, the iPhone is telling me that it's not charging anymore, and it's like what it's it's new. Um, so I have to I have to be conscious when to change my my phone just so that I can continue doing the work that I do. Um, but with cameras, you know, um, I'll charge, I'll, I'll change it. I, I almost never change it unless I'm limited to some degree, like say a new camera needs to fulfill a certain job. Um, but I mean, you know, cameras, we can talk about this in, in depth, maybe on another episode, but for, I would say five, five years when I was working more on a production end of, of, uh, kind of visual content creation. I was renting gear based on the needs of the client, you know, because some clients had bigger budgets than others. So it's like if a client said, "Okay, I need a, uh, I need to 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 shoot an online video, um, but we've only got this much," then I might, sh- you know, I might shoot it on a on a on a you know smaller camera like a A sixty five hundred or that sort of thing. But then if the ca- if the company's got bigger budget and they're like, "We need cinema quality stuff," then you know, you you you. You bust out the bri- the big guns then. Um, so I didn't actually buy a camera of my own until um, I started the the watch company. And now it, this one camera that I've got, which is the uh, A7 III, it does everything I need. You know, it, it takes all the photos I need. It shoots any of the videos I need. And I just would have to maybe upgrade the lenses maybe from time to time, which is a far less of a, you know... A, a thing to to have to go through in terms of upgrading because you know buying and selling a camera is a lot more difficult than kind of mm. moving on lenses and stuff so lenses are yeah. value too don't they so yeah yeah lenses yeah. are just you know they're a bit more a bit more stable and and cameras but but at the same time like cameras haven't in terms of what we can consume um kind of on the on the content end whether that's like uh, online or on phones which is via a laptop or on a mobile phone the what what you can see is limited you know what i mean like yeah. you can see 4k video on a phone but the phone is also so small that <laughs> it doesn't really get much better than that yeah so if your camera can you know if, if your camera that you're filming on to produce that content reaches that threshold then there's almost no need to keep pushing it up unless you're really pushing up production past that so so that's where my justification is for, for upgrading tech anyway yeah, I know what you mean with cameras. So I, I had a Sony A6000 for, for a very long time, and I had it almost from when they came out. Um, and I really liked it. I used it for a lot of stuff on Instagram. Like you say, it's compressed, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but then it got to the point, and there were two, and I had it, I always used it as a prime lens. So it was basically 35 mil equivalent. So I kind of wasn't changing the lenses all that much. But it got to the point where there was there was just one thing that was really bugging me which is 
two, well, two things. One is like user interface. So Sony, all of the interface is built into the digital menus. So it's difficult to start changing settings on the fly. Yeah. And the other one is um, Sony's color grading is, uh, is really um, luminescent on blues and greens. And so I found myself with photographs having to like cut the greens back all the time. Like grass would come out looking fluorescent if I didn't do anything <laughs> to it. Um, so that's kind of why I switched. I switched to a um, a Fuji uh, X100V. Fuji and, does have nice green, and the green it does have nice the green. Grading is so good. So you almost don't even have to grid it. No, it's amazing. So well, I mean the the JPEGs. I mean Fuji JPEGs are JPEGs are so good. Like Olympus are probably the only other JPEGs that match. So by that I mean just you don't have to do any editing. You just do do it in camera, and then the colors are always good. So. Yeah, that's what Fuji's and the interface is really good as well. So like I love that camera just for the just the whole experience from like taking photographs to actually doing something like them is like really. It, I mean, it's quite it's quite analog actually in a weird way. You're not having to like post process anything. You're not having to like dig through digital menus, etc. So I really like that. The only thing that obviously it's a fixed lens. Which I like because yeah. it kind of like sets you to that, and it's a small camera. But there's there have been times where I've kind of thought, shall I get like a, an XT or an XS or something like that, just to give a bit more um, flexibility? But I haven't I haven't made that switch yet. But again, that's tool tool rather than like yeah. I pick my lane now, and I want just a different like flavor. So fun enough the the. You mentioned the XS cameras, so I I had an X I had the X one hundred V like yours, um, and the front of the bit had a couple of things that niggled with me, and one of them was I wanted to be able to change lenses a little bit more, um, not dramatically, but a little bit more. I mean, it was an amazing camera, genuinely an amazing camera. But so I moved to the I think the XS ten, and was very happy with that. But then they brought out an XS twenty, so and then it had such a developed move in. So as a Sony user, Ken, you won't get this. The A7 III has really good autofocus, like people-based autofocus, moving, you know, really, really good. And and it's only got better, the Sony stuff. I mean, the, Sony, the latest Sony ones are insane, the stuff they can capture, as in, you know, the auto kind of, you know, the AI, and the AI processing. So the XS20 had an AI, has the AI, you know, the Fuji's equivalent AI processing chip. And the autofocus on that, it's not Sony level, definitely, Mm. Um, but it's pretty damn good. And my old XS10 and indeed the X100V, that was the one thing that I found that if you were trying to take pictures of, of frankly, I think for Philip and I, the new thing in our life in the last couple of years had been a very fast-moving little person. Capturing them without, frankly, some kind of AI assist or indeed some kind of computerized assist, you know, getting their eyes tack sharp in every shot can be challenging. You, I mean, you end up, there's ways around it, but nonetheless, it's an extra thing to be paying attention to. Whereas the move from the XS10 to the XS20 with this AI chip and stuff, it, I mean, genuinely, it's changed completely how I can use that camera. It's it's meant that I use it for things that I just didn't. You know, I used to just use my iPhone for shooting pictures, you know, of, of people, basically. I don't know what the... um. I don't know what the hierarchy is within Fuji, but where does the X-Pro2 sit within the... So the X-Pro is a slightly, um, a slightly neglected line now. Because um, the X-Pro 2, because I shot a lot with X-Pro 2 like a long time ago, because as far as like the photos, it was just, they came out so nice. Like if I, if I was on a certain project, like I'd pick that camera for that type of project. And the autofocus on that wasn't too bad, actually, as long as you had good light. 
it was quite like yeah it was quite it was quite you know responsive um you know it's not like it's not wasn't at the same level as sony equivalent at that time um which is why i you know uh, i prefer to use sony it's better for kind of it was better for the run and gun stuff where i didn't know what the lighting situation was going to be like like if i if it was controlled lighting i'd, I'd hire a canon if it was ambiance uh, photos i needed i'd choose fuji and if it was like you're just being dropped somewhere and you need to kind of figure it out uh, sony is, was the was choice for me at that time um but like i do like the way of fuji I think for photography, if you're looking for a compact one, like the XT line are really good. They're quite expensive, but I like my friend of mine's got an XT3, and the number of times you know, there's a is there a four now? Um, I think the number of times there's a five well, now. There's a five now, is there? Mm. Um, but they're really good. I was going to ask you, Jones, because on your XS, the grip is really big in comparison, or like it's quite it stands out quite a lot in comparison to all the other bodies. You, do you find that annoying, or is it helpful to have the grip so big? You know what? In, for the two, the two main things I shoot with it will be little people, that sort of stuff. So having good grip is good. And weirdly, the other thing being wrist shots, gear shots, that kind of stuff. Being able to kind of like weirdly contort your hand and arm and wrist and all that stuff into weird. I've angles. given up trying to do that now, man. I set up a tripod for it. <laughs> I'll set up a tripod over my shoulder. <laughs> the the mixture of having a fully articulating screen and having this big old grip so you can do everything one-handed um so i've not got massive hands but nonetheless the combo i'm um, enough the xs10's grip was fine for that the xs20s is bigger but that's because the battery's changed and the battery is now more than double the life and i'm genuinely 700 and something shots out of the xs20 weirdly the xs20 talking about the xt line the xs20 has moved the needle there are now, I and mean, this is anecdotal from, from YouTube and Instagram, but now people that would have bought the XT lines are now saying, why would I buy an XT when I can buy an XS? It used to be the XS10 was a very noticeable step down in lots of ways from the XT line. That is not the case anymore. It has, if anything, the XS20 has some tech, quite a bit of tech, including the AI chip, that the XT5 doesn't have, or the 4 or the 3 or the... And, and this autofocus is... You know, the last generation, and it's, this is the first camera, I think, to have it. Do any of you guys um, have, so kind of like with the, with the topic of, of upgrading or not upgrading, do any of you guys have um, multiple cameras for like different things? Kind of. So I did have, I did have uh, in between the XS20 and the XS10, I actually bought a Leica Q3. Um, okay. And, and I'll save that for another day, but. When I sold that, essentially, I looked at it and go, well, now I've got this big old budget. And I bought an XS20 immediately and thought, well, what? And I, I want something else full frame. I enjoyed the full frame aspect. Very different. So what do you, what do you use? What do you tend to use the Leica for versus the um, Fuji? So I didn't have the Leica, as I don't have the Leica anymore, but the... Um, oh, right, right, right. Essentially, the Fuji, from the point, the stuff I use the Leica for, the Fuji has replaced that. Things right. and, and I realized that one of my that my production is basically JPEG. I, I don't faff around. I like to get the shot I want as much as possible in camera. I might fiddle with a tough few bits, you know, in in once I've transferred it to either my phone or my iPad or my computer. But essentially, it's the amount of time I want to spend on you know Lightroom and that sort of stuff is is low, and therefore most of the time it's JPEGs. And frankly, the the Leica colors of the JPEGs are great with the big old full frame sensor and the and the way you shoot with the Leica just didn't necessarily match. 
for me. I've, I've never come across a user interface as good as the Leica. However, for £5,000 versus the uh, 1200 of my Fuji, of my current Fuji, it just, it, did, it didn't, it, and, and they feel the same kind of photographic need for me. The same, the, you know, the, I'm photographing the same things with those. But weirdly, with that, in inverted commas, spare cash I had in my mind, I'm actually, I've got on pre-order the Sony A7C Mark II which is basically a cut well it's not actually cut down but is a is a smaller bodied version of the replacement to yours which is the a7 IV yeah um mainly because having experienced i did a i i did a loan thing of a sony a7 III i think it must have been and was like this autofocus is just mind-blowing and that's fun enough the thing once you've i think once you've experienced that type of autofocus for people shooting in low light and in in tricky conditions and you know and frankly like you say run and gun you don't want to necessarily i mean i, I shoot in aperture priority most of the time because that's the bit i like to control and so yeah, right. you know I, I don't necessarily want to faff around with the iso and those sort of things and if i don't have to especially with people so i having yeah, having good you know the, the camera just does well um and that's uh, the brief experience of the Leica q3 was that the full frame the big old sensor um sensor doesn't matter but the full frame bit did make it a little bit better in those darker scenarios. Having that little bit more light let in naturally, you know, at the same inverted commas f stop kind of it, it, it yeah, it was it was just really it was a really interesting and newer way for me to shoot. It was a different thing. So talking about the differences, this Sony is going to just frankly be an experiment to an extent, but but an experiment with full frame. Will it continue even though it's not the Leica to to give that sort of diff, slightly different enjoyment and video. So- I, they're so good for video. I was going to say, if I need, if I was doing more video again, I'd just get a Sony. Just they're really good for video. So I'd like to explore that. It's not something I've done much of. And, and fun enough, the, the Fuji XS range has always been uh, classed as a, a good video option. But I just, I want to experience the Sony thing. I mean, like you just said, Philip, everyone says the Sony stuff is brilliant. And I kind of, yeah. I just want to experience full frame, but not at, not at 5,000 pounds. Like when I was doing, the, the, there was a period of time where I was doing a lot more video recording than I was doing photos. Um, and at that time, the, the camera of choice or the, the, the best one on the on the market for that was the A7S two. There wasn't a three. Um, the, I think maybe the R was still in Mark one. And I loved the A7S two. Like I used it, like there were so many projects that I shot with it. And it was just, you know, it, it you couldn't really... You couldn't get a better camera for that type of work at yeah. that time without having to spend obviously big bucks on a on a bigger on a bigger rig. So then when the A7 III came out, um, I bought it kind of like for myself because obviously it was kind of like this perfect blend between the R and the S. Right at that time, the S wasn't as the, the S wasn't better and the R wasn't better. But then when the S the S3 came out or the R3 came out, then obviously that you know. So you do have a weird upgrade path. <laughs> yeah, like it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was good because it was this perfect middle for photos and videos. And so I'm assuming that the the one that you've just pre-ordered, the video capability on that, even if it's not the best video yeah. one at Sony, like in terms of what Sony can offer, it's still going to be leagues above what a general uh, DSLR can can or a full frame camera can get of any of the other brands um, that are more camera spec as opposed to video spec. But yeah, proper hybrid cameras. 
Going back to your question, though, Ken, I genuinely see my my iPhone as like a as a, a second camera. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like um, on this holiday, I've got my Fuji with me, and I'll have it around. But like if we're at the beach, I just like my iPhone just becomes like the camera because I don't I know I can drop it in the water and it will be fine, and I know <laughs> that it will get, it it will get covered in sand or whatever. But I don't I don't really want my Fuji to get wet or I know that it's weather sealed that it's not going to survive. That's why I bought a Ricoh, man. That's why I bought a Ricoh. I'm a, I'm a big Ricoh GR fan. Because, um, I, 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 like I said, I had the Sony, um, which I, I use for work. Um, but it's a it's it's heavy. Like, you know, you've got a, I've got a big camera. And, you know, whether that's, you know, if you're using a macro lens or whatever else, you can't carry that around. It's huge. So I bought a Ricoh GR3 for that exact purpose of, you know, I didn't want to use my iPhone. Um, I wanted something with a little bit more kind of tactile controls and and that sort of thing so yeah i bought the the gr3 and and now that is the thing that i take everywhere because it's, it's so small but it, it shows so well yeah it shoots so well um for, for you know photos and and oh, video videos for the size of that body that body is like the old school compact cameras yeah the video the video is not the video is nothing to to you know uh write home about uh, I'd I'd probably prefer the video on iPhone because um, now obviously on the iPhone you can also set like frame rate and all that sort of stuff. So the iPhone, you know, you can now shoot the iPhone in log. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So for you know, if you want to grade it later and stuff, it's 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 pretty good. But yeah, the Rico is just just for photos because like I can I've got like a, a cover on it, so I've built it out with like a, a lens cover and I've got the thumb grip. Um, uh, thank you, James. James also gave me some spare batteries and a thumb grip recently from his uh, GR uh, previous experience. Um, but I, um, I've, I've, I've got a camera strap that I made. Again, another uh, <laughs> another thing I made. I made a camera strap with like a NATO strap material. Um, so I've got like I had, yeah, I had like a really long roll of rib nylon uh, webbing, and I made a camera strap with it. Um, and then I screwed it. I, I have a uh, kind of a loop screw that I've attached to the bottom of the, the camera as opposed to because usually you attach it through the threads on, on either side, right? So I, I attach it to the screw on the bottom so I can pull it quicker as opposed to having to bring it up like that. Yeah, instead of bringing it up kind of in front of me, I can kind of grab it with one hand from the inside of my jacket and I can actually like take photos, street photos like a lot quicker. Um, and the load, like the loading time on that camera from when you turn it on is so quick. Yeah. It's nothing, isn't it? It's yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really good. And if you have all your settings kind of pre-done and stuff like that, um, which is pretty easy to do. Um, it's, it's wicked. It's wicked for just like snap photography and, and just getting random things when you're traveling and that sort of thing. And that's got the snap focus, doesn't it as well? No. Yeah, yeah. You, well, snap distance. It takes a it takes a bit of getting used to though. Okay. I'd say like the snap distance. You really gotta know your your focal lengths and that sort of stuff. So I, I, I'm really afraid I know. couldn't quite make my peace with it. So. I was gonna say at least we knew what uh, what 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 swag we're gonna do. So Ken's gonna make all sorts of cool stuff out of uh, out of NATO strap material, <laughs> hammer straps, guitars. It's it's fun, man. It's it's like I I kind of I like having these little projects to to kind of upgrade sometimes like i'll buy something and there might be something that's a little bit not quite right with it or a little bit off from how i would use it and if i can if i can rig it myself then i usually will whether that's you know i'm picking a few stitches or attaching something new to it then i do and that's you know that's that goes into literally every 
element of my life. There's so there's there's some weird mods I've done to stuff. Yeah, I do the same thing. So going back to the backpack thing, I've got a Norwegian military patrol pack from the 1960s, and I will not I will not let this bag go. Partially because I'm quite I'm quite attached to it, but it's uh, it's it's a canvas bag, really hard wearing, um, like olive green. I'll, I will put it up in the show notes, and then on the front there's like a little hook, which is what was probably for an axe, I think. Oh, like an axe loop. Then an axe loop, yeah. Um, um, and this bag, you'll recognise it because I think a lot of um, Bergen type bags came from this. But and then it's got leather leather shoulder straps and a and a and a loop at the top, so it's a ring. There's a ring at the top, and then the sh- the straps come from it. And the the straps are really clever because they the the soft side of the leather, so like the sheen side, is actually the bit close to your skin, or like close to. You, and then the rough side is away from you, and it's really smart because it makes it really easy to get on and off. So it's really easy to to, and it's so hard wearing this bag. I think I've had it for like fifteen years, and it's only oh wow, it's only had one had to have one rivet replaced in that time. But I did the same thing. I took a like a pouch type thing because it didn't have internal pockets. I took a pouch type thing and just sewed it on the inside, just so that I've got a little thing for like keys and stuff, and they don't f- fly down to the bottom. But yeah. That, that bag is not going anywhere. In fact, I bought another one off eBay recently just because it came up and I was like, okay. You need, you need the backup. I need the backup, yeah. Oh, and I, the other mod I did is it had this loop. So I think it, it, it used to be able to, the, it came with a bigger bag so that the Norwegian military had a bigger bag and it was like, you could strap this bag to the other bag so that you'd have a patrol pack and then we were like Bergen and it had a loop at the bottom. But the loop would kind of like dig into your back so like a leather loop, the buckle. So I just un only did the rivet and got rid of that job and also also one for modding things i'm thinking of the brand name it's going to be like handy ken and phil it's going to be like the form and function craft workshop just going to be doing craft stuff yeah i'll bring you glue guys it's going to be a day of papi and mashley um right gents i think i think the time is ticking on and i think that's that's we're gonna to have to move on i think to the to the final final stage which we, we talked about alternative names as to what to call this segment. But I think actually I've, I've kind of taken the decision on my own that actually we are going to call it something that is copying someone else. But, but mimicry is the most serious form of flattery. And both Ken and I are big fans of 1420 podcast. Um, and they have the other, other things. Basically until we can come up with, a, I think, a really good alternative name for this segment. Essentially, it's, it's takeaways, things you can take away, things you can watch, and stuff you can consume, not edibly. Um, well, possibly edibly, but in this case not edibly. But um, yeah, so, so while Ken, having having dropped you in it, I'm I'll I'll let you go first. Okay, yeah. So um, so I don't know if you guys are uh, either of you guys are fans or have watched John Wick. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, the new kind of spin-off series on Amazon has just kind of come out. Um, so it's a it's a three part series. I think released every Friday, and the first episode is up now, and it's called The Continental, and it's basically about the hotel in in New York City, but it's it's like a prequel essentially. So it's set in the seventies. So the main character is Winston, who is obviously in the in the John Wick franchise, who runs the hotel. But he's younger, so he's like in his twenties or whatever, and he's not yet the owner of the content. He's not yet the person running the Continental, um, and it kind of follows how he falls into that world because at the start of the show, he you know he's not a part of this this criminal underworld that you know um is the foundation of of the john wick franchise and yeah i watched it 
uh, a couple of days ago and it's it's really really good it's like the first you know the moment you kind of tune in you just get that that john wick action like immediately and kind of if you like all the different features that kind of make up that world whether that's you know the the guns the action the fighting the the romanticized kind of um almost like clubhouse element to it and then obviously you've got bikes and the cars and all that sort of stuff it's just it's really entertaining to watch and and it's got some it's got some good actors in it um and it's 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 following kind of the the path of that storyline so if you if if you like the characters that are in the franchise you're going to see them pop up i assume so the the other than winston you meet uh is it jerome the concierge guy who who the actor recently passed away um before the fourth movie came out um he is obviously a teenager and he's just started working at the continental the 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 i think you meet him in the first movie there's a guy they call who um is a cleanup guy um so he's he, he's like a bold guy with that with a black hat and he kind of comes in and he he cleans away the bodies and stuff he isn't he's he's in it but obviously he's a lot younger and he doesn't you know he he's got his own business and stuff and he hasn't kind of found that uh mystery of of his character yet so yeah it's it's, a, it's a, there's a lot of things to kind of notice and and kind of pick out an easter egg so if you're a fan of the 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 franchise it's, it's definitely something you want to watch and it's well written and and action as far as action goes you know they didn't they didn't short on the budget so nice that sounds really good is that that's on prime is it yeah that's on, on amazon prime out now yeah out now on amazon prime philip what have you got for us so I'm, I'm on a little Land Rover Defender trip at the moment. Um, so on the subject of upgrading, so I've got a Mini Countryman JCW, which I really love, but Mini just announced the new one and it it looks rubbish. They've ruined all the styling. They've, t- they've lost all the character. Um, and so I'm just thinking a little bit ahead to like a next car sort of thing. And I'm thinking, should I scratch that Defender itch that I've had for many years? And so... I've just been, I've just, I've just been like down the rabbit hole, um, and I came across these guys on Instagram. Um, it's Defender.x at Defender.x on Instagram. Um, like they seem to have a website, but it doesn't seem to be working. But I'll be following me along there, and they are doing London to New York in a Defender uh, around the world. But they're doing, they're doing everything, including the sea. So those float, those floaties look ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. So they, they, they attempted it. A couple, a few years ago, and then had to stop because of the Ukraine war. I'm assuming, yeah, they're heading east, not heading. They're heading east, yeah, yeah. <laughs> west. Those those floats did not look good enough for the, for the Atlantic. So. No, they're not good enough <laughs> for the Atlantic. But they just, they just, so they just crossed the channel. They're doing another attempt now. They just crossed the channel, but their plan is to obviously then drive across Europe, and they they think they can get across the Bering Strait, which is uh, Russia to Alaska. So they, they think they can do this like 50 odd miles across the Bering Strait. So their plan is to now do the whole continent, uh, get across to the end of Russia and then go across to Alaska and then drive down. No one's ever done this before. So they obviously had like last overland from London to like somewhere in Asia or China or whatever. A friend of mine actually did that um, sort of route, but no one's done the, no one's done the loop including the the sea so i think this is pretty cool so i'm going to be following along intently yeah as ken said there's they built these kind of like flotation devices so everything's in the vehicle and there's these flotation devices that that kind of go along the edges 
and then they attach a propeller to the prop shaft, presumably, uh, not to the prop shaft, to the drive shaft even, and so it turns into this amphibious land orbit. And they look like they go quite quickly across the water, so, yeah, it should be interesting to keep on top of those guys and see what they're up to. Uh, being kind of stranded in a car in the middle of the ocean, though, like if it, like I know they'll have an entourage and, and all that sort of stuff, but let's just say it was however many years ago, like whenever the first attempt was, when you didn't have that mm-hmm. uh, tech support or travel support and you're in a floating car and something happens and you're literally just floating in a car in the sea, man, that's, that is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Or if one of those flotation devices bursts, I can't imagine. And it flips on one side. Yeah. Go down like a lead weight. So my, my, if my recommendation leads in a very similar vein to that. It's uh, I mean, similar, but not the same. It's, it's called, it's a YouTube channel. Um, it's called Itchy Boots. And, and it's a, it's a Dutch lady called Norley. She's been going now for about four or five years, I think on YouTube. And basically she, she does solo motorbike trips around the world as in you know all sorts of varied routes she's done i think sort of she's done the whole of of the american kind of you know south to north she's done i think she may have done the sort of you know the traditional kind of overland type route of of you know the far east back to back to mainland europe and she's been recently and she's done some stuff in south africa and she's most recent trip was essentially she was driving down uh, so you know from from holland i guess or the Netherlands down into Africa. I think she was competing the sort of the top half of Africa, having previously done the southern half of Africa, competing that continent. But she's she's one of those people that she's just she's just very watchable. She's a really sort of personable, not in a sort of sycophantic way, but she's a really personable, easy to watch. Like, but she's Dutch, and with that comes like the way she interacts with people is just yeah, it's so like it's not straight laced but it's just i don't know she's it's just it's it makes for really good there's also an element of when she's driving along on a motorbike there's an amsr thing so like uh it's that kind of like the sound and she commentates about stuff it's just you can you find yourself suddenly like 20 minutes has gone and you've just turned it on it's like a what the hell they're long, they're long yeah. videos as well and they're, they're really they are yeah um properly involving like you really do feel like you know you're kind of you're there it's and it's not you know the the production is is good. I mean the production's good, and and she's very good at that bit of it. Given that she's doing it all solo on the move while she's going, all that sort of stuff. But it's not. It never feels overproduced. It always feels very genuine and real, and and that sort of stuff. And it's just it's a really good watch. There's a ton of it, all sorts of different parts of the world. But definitely, I'd re- as as a as an armchair bike enthusiast, um, or other adventure bike enthusiast. I think it's just super cool what she does. And the places she goes as a woman on her own uh, is, is, I mean, not from a functional point of view, but from the perception of the, the parts of the world she goes to, how they view women. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, she gives as good as she gets a lot of the time. I mean, from a, from a physical feat, from a physical feat, like that amount of travel is a lot. And then to do the production side, yeah, that has so much work. So, yeah, I mean, that's I, I i haven't i haven't checked out this youtube channel before but i'm gonna look into it now and, and have a little watch through some of the the videos and and um spot pick probably the locations that i've i'm interested in more than others but but yeah i mean just just knowing about it knowing how how this one person is pulling all that weight man that's incredible and she leans into again the gear she has is 
is so personal to her and the fact that like you know she's clearly learnt the hard way when it's wrong and that sort of stuff like the choice of bike and stuff like you know an amateur like me looks at it and thinks well surely you'd have like this massive great bmw you know sort of like touring bmw thing you know what are they like the the r 1200s or whatever they are the gs you know she's got a dirt bike she's worked it out but she's basically a dirt bike i guess she's smaller and and with the physicality not having to lug it around not you know if it, if it goes over and stuff you know you, she's just not gonna or, or frankly most men too a fully laden big bmw kind of thing you can't really pick it up they, i mean that easy i'm thinking back to the to the um i've come which called long long way down and that's what's long way round and but if you remember in that, I think Charlie Borman wanted to take a KTM and then they wouldn't let them have it. And uh, BMW gave them the GS and now they've sold more GSs than any other companies. So, placement. Oh. So, yeah, well, it works, doesn't it? To be fair, that was really good. I remember I read the book of that, of the first one, um, but the programs were good too. And they did that electric one in electric Harleys in South America. And that was, again, surprisingly good. Um, but obviously that had the whole like celebrity and that sort of stuff. Her stuff is just really unassuming. It's just a, a proper adventure. She's just like, you know, she's out there exposed to whatever is out there. And that's just really cool. Yeah, I've done a few bike trips, but never with, I never by myself. So it's, I think that's the, that's the big difference here is that you're, you're on your own. Lonely, I bet, for a lot of the time. Um, I don't know. I reckon you meet yeah. people that way, probably. That's true. Um, that's true. And more natural too, I guess. People aren't intimidated by you if you're one person, and so we'll come up to you, I guess. But yeah. Anyway, um, gents, it has. We've I think we've just we've just crossed the hour and twenty minute mark for recording, so I imagine that'll edit down to to a good sort of hour and ten, which is kind of the range. Uh, an hour ish is our sort of goal, I think, for episodes. I know that's long for some people, but basically, we're geeks that like the sounds of our own voice and voices, me particularly, and therefore we we do like a bit of well, I like a bit of waffle. So yeah, so they will push to the longer end I'm sure but yeah gents thank you very much it's been good we will plan to upload weekly um, if all goes well and thank you very much well, I'm going to go jump in the pool <laughs> <laughs>